Hello, I'm JJ Hawley. I'm President and CEO of the Woodlands Area Chamber of Commerce, and welcome to another episode of Between the Trees, sponsored by, by Woodlands Online. And I'd like to welcome Mr. Jace Houston with the San Jacinto River Authority. You've been our guest before, and thank you for coming back. And we can talk about all fun things water. Happy to do it. Yeah. It's always fun to talk about w water. Water is very boring until you <laughs> have too much of it or not enough of it. That's so true. Yeah. That's the mantra in the water business. It, yeah. There's a happy medium. But if there's too much water, not enough water, nobody's happy. Then everybody gets upset. <laughs> now, how long have you been at SGRA? 13 years. Wow. Man, that's quite a while. Quite a stint. Yeah, yeah I'm, 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 not, I'm not much for moving. <laughs> uh, I like to get settled and, and you know, learn, the, learn the job and really be able yeah. to apply myself to it. And it's, it's just been a blessing to be able to do that here. Well, and SGRA has a very uh, crucial role in how we manage water and what water will look like in Montgomery County in the next, what, 50 years. That's right. In fact, all over Texas, there are a couple of dozen river authorities in the state of mm -hmm. Texas, and they typically cover river basins, as their name implies, uh, and they do. They play an absolutely critical role in the long-term water planning for the areas that they serve. Mm -hmm. uh, so here in Montgomery County, well, and really anywhere in the state, uh, the primary job of a river authority is to look 50 to 100 years into the future, mm -hmm. do an analysis of how much water are we going to need to serve mm -hmm. all the customers, whether it's municipal, agricultural, industrial, whatever it may be, yep. and make sure we've got enough supply lined up to meet those needs. And there's a lot of demand as, as the population grows, as we what, get to a million plus people in the next 10 or so years. That's got, got to put a lot of stress on the water supply. It's an enormous challenge. W yeah. Water supply is, a, is an expensive investment. There are some parts of, of Texas where the, the growth rate is very slow, and their water planning efforts are much, much simpler. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the Houston region, and especially in Montgomery County, the demand, the population is growing rapidly, which is a blessing. I mean, mm -hmm. it's a good thing, mm -hmm. uh, but it means we have big challenges ahead. We have to go out and line up significant volumes of water to meet that demand and it's it's a lot of work and it's very expensive. What are the sources of water and how, you, how do you define those? Okay, so it's interesting in the water supply business you line up your water supply strategies, they call mm -hmm. them strategies or sources, in order of cost. You always want to use the least expensive water first. Mm -hmm. And in our area, fortunately, that's groundwater. Mm -hmm. uh, greater Houston region, in fact, the entire Gulf Coast from, from Brownsville to Louisiana uh, has a lot of groundwater mm -hmm. underneath uh, the ground. We can just pump from water wells. And that's in the aquifer. Yes, okay. in our aquifers. And so our entire region has started out using groundwater for water supply. And you, you can drill a well wherever you want to put a subdivision. Or if mm -hmm. you want to put an industry or a business, you can put in a water well and have a great, inexpensive source of clean water. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's been the primary source for our entire region since we began developing. Mm -hmm. uh, now, in the last 50 to 80 years, uh, we began in certain areas where the demand was high. Think, you know, Ship Channel, Houston area was kind of yeah. where it started. Um, we began to see water levels decline in our aquifers. And so the water wells weren't as reliable as they used to be. And we couldn't continue to just rely on groundwater. And getting more expensive. It does. It gets more expensive. And... You, you drill more wells. Mm -hmm. the, the yield of each well starts to drop mm -hmm. off. The, you start to have land surface subsidence. There's a lot of problems that come with 
um, over pumping the aquifers. Mm -hmm. Uh, so then what you do is you go to your next supply on your list of strategies and like I said, it's an order of cost. You want to use the cheapest supplies you can. Mm -hmm. uh, so you typically you'll look at uh, water from rivers. You know, mm -hmm. if, if you have a river that's got a good steady flow of water even in dry periods, mm -hmm. well then you can rely on that supply. Uh, but if the river dries up in a drought, then it becomes very unreliable and you need to build a reservoir. So obviously We've got Lake Houston. And that's not easy to do to build a reservoir. No, that's a that's a. Most of the people in my business will tell you that's a thirty-year uh, project yeah. uh, at best mm -hmm. um, to permit, plan, design, construct everything you have to mm -hmm. do uh, to you know acquire the land, all the challenges that go into building a reservoir. Uh, but it's very expensive. But we do. We have Lake Houston that serves mm -hmm. our region, Lake Conroe, Lake Livingston. We actually use water from Lake Livingston to serve our region here in the, kind of mm -hmm. the greater Houston area. And if, if we get to a point where we exhaust those supplies, and we do still have available supply from those sources, we'll have to look farther out. Uh, it may be go deeper to mm -hmm. aquifers that may have salt water in them, but we can desalt them. It mm -hmm. may be uh, to go um, to reservoirs farther away, it may be build a new reservoir. There's mm -hmm. some, there's still some reservoir sites within, you know, 50 miles of, of where we're sitting. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, they're generally not the least expensive. There are normally less you, expensive. You've literally options. got to build a pipeline to that source. Yes, that's that's mm -hmm. why you put those projects off as long as possible. Mm -hmm. you, not only do you have to acquire the land, build the dam, create mm -hmm. the reservoir you still have to build a pump station and a pipeline to get the water to where you need it. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it adds up quick. And with uh, uh, the aquifer supply, uh, there are risks associated with continuing to pump that water out if that lowers the level of the aquifer, right? There are. That, that's absolutely correct. So the harder, the more wells we drop into the aquifers we're, that we're currently using, the harder we pump it. Mm -hmm. You begin to lower the pressure, drop the water levels mm -hmm. uh, in the aquifer, which causes your wells, to, they can't yield as much supply as they used to. So mm -hmm. we have some wells here in the woodlands. There are 38 water wells that serve the woodlands area. Uh, some of those wells, when they were initially constructed, could produce 1,500 to 2,000 gallons a minute. Very mm -hmm. productive. But as the water levels in the aquifer drop, you have to lower your pumps, you have to install bigger motors, and the yield, now some of those are down to 500, 600, 700 gallons a minute. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, used to 20 wells would serve the woodlands, and then it took 25, and then it took 30, well now we're up to 38. Yeah. And so it does, there, there are consequences also in our area, in fact, the greater Houston area, not just in Montgomery County, mm -hmm. you begin to see the land surface subside. Mm -hmm. So as you lower the pressure in the aquifer, the clay layers, compact, just like clay shrinks when it gets dry around your house. Mm -hmm. uh, so those clay layers compact, the land surface sinks, and you can exacerbate flooding problems. If you've got low-lying areas already, mm -hmm. you don't want to lower those areas another foot or two or whatever. Uh, and the woodlands historically, if you go back to 1906 through today, mm -hmm. the woodlands uh, southern Montgomery County in general has dropped one to three feet. So yeah. it's, it's real numbers. It's, it's not millimeters or centimeters, it's mm -hmm. feet. And that was a recent study by, who did that study? Harris Galveston Subsidence District uh, has done some recent work with SMU mm -hmm. where they've used INSAR, which is a, a radar technology from satellites that they can measure changes in the land surface mm -hmm. very, very accurately and, and over 
the entire region. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not just at benchmarks. You know, maybe we have 30 benchmarks scattered across the county where mm -hmm. we can measure using traditional GIS methods. Mm -hmm. But with NSAR, you can measure every square foot. And it's a, it's a, it's a much more thorough and complete analysis of what's happening with the land surface. So that's probably the most recent study mm -hmm. uh, that's been done. And we're seeing up to three feet in some, some areas in South Montgomery County. Yes, if you okay. kind of took a swath across, all the way across Southern Montgomery County, the measurements uh, have been one to three feet. You know, the mm -hmm. further north you go, the less, mm -hmm. you, the less you've seen. Yeah. But that makes sense because the population growth. I mean, there's, mm -hmm. basically the population's coming from Houston, North Harris County, Woodlands, Southern Montgomery County, right. and people were moving, were moving oh, north. Watch out, Willis, here it comes, that's, you know. That's about right. Even up in Conroe, there's been six inches of that's subsidence right. in the Conroe area. Wow. So it, it's happening, and it, it follows the water level declines. So uh, the, the GRP, the Groundwater Reduction Plan, mm -hmm. uh, and groundwater is, is, is the aquifer, and surface water is the, uh, is the lakes and the reservoirs lakes and, and, and rivers. rivers. Yeah. Uh, what's kind of the history of, and what is the GRP, what's the history okay. of, of that? So when, when residents in the Montgomery County area began to see, hey, we're having the same water level decline issues that Harris County had, mm -hmm. they created a groundwater district. Their mm -hmm. own little governmental entity, Lone Star Groundwater District, created in 2001. It began studying the aquifers, trying to do an analysis of, okay, we're seeing water level declines, so, so how much can we pump? How much yeah. can we extract and use? Because remember, we want to use the cheapest water first. Mm -hmm. So we want to use groundwater, mm -hmm. as much groundwater as we possibly can, safely mm -hmm. and reasonably. So they did that analysis. They came up with a goal and a target amount of how much they felt we could pump, and they adopted regulations that applied to all the 200 major utilities in Montgomery mm -hmm. County. And he said, okay, guys, you're all going to have to cut back a little bit. You need mm -hmm. to cut back about 30%, come up with some other supply. Mm -hmm. Or if you can just cut your use back, there were some golf courses in, in the county that actually just were able to improve their irrigation methods and achieve the 30% cutback. So they didn't have to bring in an alternate supply. And we do use a lot of our water on our lawns and grass. Oh, my goodness. And, yeah. Honestly, if, if it were possible, and it's really not, but mm -hmm. if it were possible to educate every single person on how to efficiently water your lawn. We mm -hmm. probably could have cut water demand 30% just through education on lawn water. Yeah. Because that's, that's, studies have generally shown that people overwater their lawns considerably. Mm -hmm. um, and we, you know, we probably well, could we have like gotten pretty Well, we like them to be nice close. and pretty and lush we do. and green and all that. Absolutely. Which it kind of looks good, but it's really not the best thing for the lawn anyway, because you're shortening that root system and makes it more susceptible to diseases and insects and or dry weather. That is absolutely true. And there's there's so few people that that really know that. But you're right. If you water too frequently, mm -hmm. the the shallow part of the soil stays moist and the roots all want to be right there. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you'll water less frequently but deeper, mm -hmm. the roots will go deep and they'll go down and get that deep water. Yeah. three, four inches underground, and they're more drought tolerant now. Mm -hmm. They can survive longer with mm -hmm. less water and they actually be healthier. Yeah. But it takes a while. You can't just, if you've been watering a little bit every night, mm -hmm. you can't just stop now and go two weeks and well, you, you'll lose a, a lot you'll of lawn. Nice I've brown done that. Lawn then, yeah. yeah, I've done that. I lost uh, uh, one of my lawns in Pearland where I used to live because I tried to go too fast. Yeah, but, yeah. but you can get there. 
So how did the uh, the GRP come about? Okay, so once the yeah. groundwater the groundwater district Lone Star adopted regulations and told all the utilities, okay, y'all need to figure out a way to cut back thirty percent. SJRA, like any other river authority in Texas, um, would have done, mm -hmm. put out a plan and said, look, if anyone wants to join, we're going to put out a group project mm -hmm. that will build a water treatment plant at Lake Conroe mm -hmm. and we'll deliver water to customers that sign up to be a part of this program mm -hmm. and we'll, we'll share the cost as a group because mm -hmm. there's, as they say, there's strength in numbers and everybody yeah. knows if you're going to do a large project, uh, it is more cost effective and efficient to bring in a big group, do one project, and, and share the cost among the group. Yep. Uh, so we put that plan together. Mm -hmm. About 80, 80 to 85 utilities originally, some have consolidated since then, mm -hmm. but about 80 utilities joined in that program. <clears throat> we all signed a contract together, uh, built a water plant at Lake Conroe, built some pipelines to distribute the water to the, the utilities who were mm -hmm. gonna receive it, and we converted about 30% of the demand of that group back in 2015. That's when the and, plant came online. And the goal was to reduce the pressure on the aquifer and the groundwater supply. Not everyone's going to get a pipe to their subdivision or their city with the GRP. It was just meant to what pull some of the demand off of some of the areas and, and, and cheapen the project or lessen the expense of the project. That's correct. So out of those 80 utilities, there are only seven physically receiving surface water. And the reason for that is to save money. You don't want to run a pipe to all 80. The pipe is enormously expensive because you're... And it's disruptive. It is. Because you're putting it under traffic. roads. And, yeah. I mean, right. those of us living in the woodlands or around the woodlands, what was that, 07, 08? No, it would have been 2012 to 2015. Okay. okay. That was the period of time right. when we were laying pipe. Yep. And, and I remember that. Whew, men, yes. No one in the Woodlands will ever forget. No. Nor will I ever forget. <laughs> uh, that was a very uh, disruptive project. We had one half of research for us, the, most, the busiest street in Montgomery County, yeah. other, probably other than Interstate 45. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember. I think I heard a number of 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 cars a day uh, is oh. the volume of, of traffic that road carries. And we had one half of it shut down for, oh. for, I don't know, six to nine months through different sections. Um, well, that's so, fun. Yeah. So <laughs> I've never thought of that word before in thinking <laughs> of that project. But, uh, but yes, it's very disruptive, very expensive. So you want to minimize the amount of pipe. Yeah. So we didn't need to deliver water to 80. Mm -hmm. We delivered water to yeah. seven of the largest yeah. uh, utilities located in the closest to the plant. Yeah. But by taking that pressure off the aquifer, it helps to sustain the water levels. The mm -hmm. goal from the beginning, the goal of Lone Star mm -hmm. was to stabilize the water levels, not to get a all off of all groundwater. Mm -hmm. you know, we want to use as much as we can safely, mm -hmm. but to reduce enough pumpage that the water levels would stabilize and it would become a sustainable supply. We could take the same amount every year mm -hmm. on a steady basis and not see the problem. Because the aquifer does recharge, but it's not like we get a thunderstorm tonight and thousands of gallons are dumped in the aquifer right. in the morning. This is I mean, not like a, San Antonio. Yeah, it's and, a long process. It is. Our, our aquifers are deep. Uh, they're beneath layers of clay. Mm -hmm. So the water, it takes, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of years for the rainfall to recharge and eventually reach the area where we're pumping it. Mm -hmm. And so if we pump it out over what it's recharging, you know, in, in a year, months, I mean, you, you just can't turn the faucet on figuratively and go, oh, let's just fill the aquifer back up. Right. 
That's right. going to work that way. It's a, it's a very slow process. So you just have to find that balance. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a point where you're pumping an amount that's, that's slowly recharging on a fairly constant. Nothing, nothing's perfect here. You're going to have mm -hmm. some fluctuations with weather. Mm -hmm. And demand fluctuates tremendously. Hot, dry summer, people are watering. Up. Demand goes up. You just have, you have to meet the demand. So you may see an increase in pumpage that year and you know a little bit of decline, but then you have some wet years, less demand, mm -hmm. not as much watering, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the aquifers get a little chance to rebound. It's fluid. Mm -hmm. It's no, no pun intended. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, there there are um, utility entities that are helping to pay for the GRP, but they just don't have the pipe coming out. But their right. their benefit is that it's a reduced cost that we didn't put pipe all over the place, it didn't disrupt or add cost to that project, and then it allows the aquifer to still be a sustainable source That's for, correct. for them. Yes, so all 80 are in the contract and paying to be part of the solution, and the benefit that's achieved is we end up with stable water levels that create a sustainable supply for all 80, yeah. uh, even though only seven are actually converting and, and taking on yeah. surface water as part of their supply. And, and that's, uh, I, mean, I mean, water, arguably, you could say that's probably the most crucial element to economic development. Because if you want to solve transportation issues, just don't have water, because nobody would live here, and businesses wouldn't want to come here, and industries couldn't operate here. Obviously, I'm biased because I work in the water business, yeah. but I have always felt like water is, the, is what fuels our economy. Um, I mean, it, everything depends on having it. A lot of industries, I know talking to Economic Development Council folks, when they're mm -hmm. courting new industries that, that want to move into the county, yes, access to transportation corridors is important and access yep. to airports may be or mm -hmm. raw materials, but access to water is always going to be on their list, always. Yep. Um, yep. It is, it's a critical component of the economy. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, it's kind of an invisible component. Uh, unless yep. you're in the business... You just don't think about it. If you turn on the faucet and water comes out, then everything's good. I'm good. Uh, and, and you really don't <coughs> think about it again. But the projects are so complicated and have such long lead times. Uh, it's a tremendous challenge to bring on new supplies. Mm -hmm. If we lived in a county that really was not experiencing population growth, it was kind of steady, mm -hmm. my job would be easy. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have to be looking 30 to 50 years into the future mm -hmm. and trying to figure out, okay, When's that next reservoir going to need to come online? And when this, when's that next pump station going to need to come online? And oh, by the way, that, that pump station and pipeline is a $500 million project, and that reservoir is a billion and a half. You know, whatever, they, they're big, big, big mm -hmm. dollar numbers. And it, so how's that going to get paid for? And growth is what uh, mm -hmm. drives those projects. Yeah. So wow. I guess the growth is a blessing and a curse. Now, in your business, the growth is a blessing. We, we love it. That's true. I mean, uh, we want new businesses. We want new chamber members. We want this to be a, uh, a place where people want to move their business to or come vacation or come visit. Mm -hmm. But you're right. We, we can't take our eye off the critical elements of that. That's right. Even, uh, even the energy sector, you know, they rely on water for cooling. Entergy uh, up at Lake Conroe has been one of our longest customers. Yeah. As long as the lake's been there, we've had a contract with Entergy mm -hmm. uh, to provide water for cooling. Yeah. Exxon Mobil, Baytown Refinery, um, mm -hmm. one of the largest petrochemical refineries in the world. Mm -hmm. They are they are our single largest customer. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I look around and I, I look at our list of customers and I think about how big a portion of our national economy is driven by some of those big industrial customers. And then I think 
you know what? I got a, a little group of guys down in East Harris County. Mm -hmm. They keep that water flowing 24-7, 365. And to me, they're unsung heroes. That's you know, right. They're, they're keeping that water flowing to industries that need it. Because yeah. um, those industries, those plants are operating 24-7. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. A guy's there on Christmas morning. Yeah. Working. <laughs> They've reminded us uh, before um, there's not a, there's not an off switch. Yeah. You know, if if, mm -hmm. if they have to shut down because either the water stopped flowing or a hurricane, I mean, yeah. they have had to shut down before. Yeah. Just the shutdown process is a $50 million endeavor. Now, wow. that was probably 10 years ago that I, yeah. I heard that speech, so it may be different today. But still, it's not a... It's not an on-off. Correct. And, and it's a major, major financial impact to have to shut that uh, plant down. So mm -hmm. our goal is we will never be the cause of a plant shutdown. Perfect. <laughs> the water will always flow. <laughs> so. Well, and, and speaking of, of hurricanes, uh, I mean, SGRA does have uh, an, an element or a piece of our hurricane preparedness. So what, what does SGRA do? If there's a hurricane coming in the Gulf, and what are some of the things that you look at and some of the preparations that, that you can make? You know, it's a long list, and we have several different operations that all have to prepare. Mm -hmm. So we own a reservoir. We, we own and operate Lake Conroe. <laughs> and so obviously for a, a reservoir, we are monitoring uh, storms all the time. Mm -hmm. We have a direct line of communication with the National Weather Service and the River Forecast Center and the Hurricane Center. Mm -hmm. um, so we begin, you know, seven days out. And a lot of these forecasts, seven days out, sometimes the the cone of uncertainty is small and sometimes it's gigantic. Mm -hmm. So you just have to watch them. Uh, Hurricane Laura is a perfect example. It is. We were at one point, what, four or five days out, uh, it was coming up right at 45. Mm -hmm. And they just quickly moved east, unfortunately for our neighbors in Lake Charles Absolutely. and, and uh, there's, Louisiana. There's, there's, there's really hardly a good place for a hurricane to land, yeah. but yeah. Uh, we have to plan as though they're coming right up the 45 corridor. Mm -hmm. uh, so we begin uh, you know, a week out with some preliminary operations. So there, it's all the normal things you would think about if you own a business or even a home. Mm -hmm. You know, you make sure all your vehicles are topped off with fuel. Everything's operating properly. We actually exercise the gates at Lake Conroe, open and close the gates and mm -hmm. make sure uh, everything's functioning. You check your backup generators, you know, give Entergy's our uh, electric provider. So give Entergy a call and yep. just verify that everything's good there. Mm -hmm. um, provide, you know, you've got to provide supplies. So we have checklists, you know, five days out. This is the list, four days, three mm -hmm. days. And as you get closer and closer, you know, you're, you're making sure you're stocked with food and gear because we'll start 24 hour operations. We'll mm -hmm. have guys stay in the night up at the office yep. throughout the, the course of the event. And as you get closer and you're watching that cone and you're seeing which way it's going to move, mm -hmm. you know, there are decision points. You know, are we, are we bringing in the call takers? So if, if we do have an event where the hurricane is clearly going to impact our area significantly, we bring our frontline communication staff into the office mm -hmm. and they have to basically stay in the office 24 seven so that we can get messages to them. We can find out from them what kind of calls and questions are we getting mm -hmm. Share that information, then they go back to their phones and, and get the information out to the public or elected officials or whoever needs to know. I mean, it's, it's, yep. I'm not doing it justice. There's a long list of, mm -hmm. of activities that, that, um, that go into managing a reservoir through a storm event. Mm -hmm. But that's just the reservoir. So we have a utility operation in the woodlands. Mm -hmm. We do the wholesale water and wastewater. So we have three wastewater plants, 38 water wells, water towers, storage tanks. Mm -hmm. 
lift stations, uh, so all the generators are checked. All the utility crews go through the same sort of seven, five, three-day checklist. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, mm -hmm. um, ending up in 24-hour operations and people housed at certain locations and they're prepared to respond to any, any failures. You know, mm -hmm. if, if we lose power at a certain facility, and there's, if there's not a generator there, which fortunately in the Woodlands, most of our critical facilities all have backup power. You know, we, we got uh, communications from the Woodlands Water Agency, mm -hmm. formerly WJPA, Joint Powers, which always was confusing everybody, so I'm glad mm -hmm. they changed it, but that uh, there was no need for us to fill up our bathtubs with water, which would have been a waste, uh, that the, uh, uh, the facilities were weather hardened and would have power so that we wouldn't lose water during, during the storm. And I remember losing, I don't remember losing water. I remember losing electricity, but not water right. during hurricanes. I, I can't think of a time in the 13 years I've worked for the River Authority that we, had, that we lost water in the woodlands. Um, you know, we have elevated storage tanks in addition to pump stations and, and um, hydro-pneumatic you know, pumps that some, some of the pressure is provided through those. But a lot of the pressure is provided through elevated storage. So even mm -hmm. if we lose power, gravity, can still, works. gravity works all yeah. the time. Uh, so w I cannot think of a time we've, that we've ever lost uh, water in the woodlands, yeah. even through Harvey and in mm -hmm. some really significant storm events. Well, even uh, you know when there's been a water line uh, breakage, there must be some sort of rerouting or secondary yes. uh, uh, pathways. Uh, that help us maintain water service to homes and businesses. Absolutely. So most of the systems are looped. You've yeah. got water coming from two directions. So if we have a line break, we've got valves scattered throughout the system. You valve off the broken section. And you might mm -hmm. have a few customers, especially on the, for us, it's the wholesale system. So it's on the major roads. Yeah. So there might be some companies mm -hmm. uh, along the major roads mm -hmm. where they happen to be between those two valves and they're going to be down for a few hours while we fix a leak. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, the, the major residential subdivisions all have looped systems and we're able to mm -hmm. maintain pressure while we fix the one piece that broke. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you again for your time and being here today. Is there anything else we forgot to cover? I don't. I can't think of. There's, we, we could talk for an hour. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if we keep going, we'll There's be here all day. There's a lot about water. Absolutely, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, like you said, it can be. You can, you have times that are very dramatic, uh, uh, and and intense, like during storms. Uh, you know, Laura was uh, honestly for our area and for us as an entity. It was a chance to exercise all our systems. Yeah. Uh, we There's a good practice run for us on the west side of the storm. Absolutely. Yeah. We haven't had a major storm event since Harvey, really. I mean, prior to Harvey, you had Memorial Day 1 and 2. You had the tax day storm that impacted northern Harris and, and yeah. west Harris County and parts of the woodlands. Mm -hmm. uh, but since Harvey, it's been pretty quiet. Yeah. Uh, and so this was a great chance to activate uh, our systems. We, we, we spun up our incident command structure, so mm -hmm. we had our daily briefings going on. Mm -hmm. I was sending communications to all local elected officials, offices of emergency management. It seemed like everyone in the region went ahead and activated yeah. as if it's going to be a full-on event. We were yeah. very fortunate to uh, be on the dry side. Mm -hmm. you know, we had some wind and a little bit of rain, uh, but it was a great chance to test all the systems and make sure we're ready for the next one. Well, thank you. And, and SGRA for all the work that you do to make sure that we 
have water now and have water in the next uh, decades to come. So you're very welcome. Appreciate you being here. Glad to do it. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of Between the Trees. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Woodlands Online, for the help in production of this event. And we'll see you at the next episode. Have a good day. Thank you.